So when it came to getting Mikey into school, it was apparent pretty much immediately that he wasn't going to fit in just as smooth as we thought he would in a typical educational environment. And we were lost for a little while there. We got him into some intensive ABA therapy, but then we were hit with something that was so uplifting and we want to share you share. And we want to share that with you guys here. We were introduced to Montessori through his ABA therapist back in Virginia. And today we're joined uh, by our friend, Aaron, who we've been able to work with in educating, not just Mikey, but the rest of our kids. And if you stick around to the end, you'll hear what she's doing. That's uh, pretty, pretty cool. Hey friends, this is the Finding Mikey podcast, our family's quest to prepare our son Mikey for life. I'm Mike, and from time to time I'll be joined by my wife Heather or other family members and others for interviews and conversations. Now while I may mention our son, you have a Mikey of your own, and together we're on a journey to learn as much as we can so that we can understand how to best communicate and guide our kiddos into independent adulthood. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, hello. Today we are joined by Miss Erin Brooks, and she is a mom of neurodivergent kids. She's also a Montessori trained elementary guide, also known as a teacher. Uh, she's a behavior analyst, a special education teacher, and an entrepreneur. So we are definitely delighted to be able to interview Erin today and help educate our audience on the Montessori education and why we thought it would be a good fit for Mikey's education. So thanks so much for joining us today, Erin. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thanks for inviting me. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just to get started here with uh, with our audience, tell us a little bit about your about your background in teaching. Yeah. So I started out as a Montessori assistant when my two my two youngest children were I was looking for a Montessori school for them in town. We just moved here to Austin. And so I found a school that was hiring. Uh, I worked in there in the primary classroom as an assistant. And over the few months that I was there, I asked, you know, how can I learn more about this? Like, this is really like life changing. So I just read as much as I could. And when I left that job, I, I continued reading as much as, you know, reading and just researching. I, I don't know if it's considered research, but it's just reading as much as I could about Montessori. And then I ended up working at a play-based preschool, a Christian preschool in my my town. Uh, we're just a little bit outside of Austin. So um, I worked there for three years, just saving every penny so I could go to Montessori training. And so when I ended up going to Montessori training, then I became an elementary teacher and worked in public and private Montessori schools since about 2014. So... Yeah, it's been a few years now. So it's funny. I'm sorry to interject real quick, but like when when I think about Montessori, it's very experiential. It's very much kind of on your own. So what was Montessori training like? I mean, it sounds a bit more regimented. <laughs> yeah, it was more. It was well. We did get to use the materials. We we would watch the t the trainer. Uh, she would give all she or he. I, there's mine was a girl, so she would give the lesson to us as she would a child just way slower because we were record we were typing everything and so we would just record all the lessons as she gave them and then we just had to memorize them and so it was not like a Montessori child would go through it we because we had to just learn hundreds maybe thousands of lessons I don't know I have like all these al a bookshelf full of albums up there I don't I haven't counted them there's so many lessons that's super cool yeah yeah. So when you were doing your uh, your in-class work with the kids, what did you find that you were most passionate about? 
Oh, I love the part of Montessori where we get to learn from the the child, the individual children in front of us. Because just because I know the lesson doesn't mean I know that child. I don't know how it's going to reach that child. I don't know how it's going to hit them. I don't know what words they're going to hear. I know what I'm going to say. I mean, it's pretty scripted. It's very simplified. But then they'll ask a question and every single child who's been in front of me takes the lesson in a totally different way. And it's so awesome. So for me, as a guide, as a teacher, as a person, I love flexibility. I love change. It keeps me on my toes. I I have the kind of mind that doesn't like to do the same thing all the time. And so I love that. I thrive on that. So no two days are ever alike. No two lessons are ever alike. <laughs> what What is it about, all right, for our audience and for the folks that are listening uh, may, who may not know what Montessori is, like we thought, I think, at the very beginning, that just Montessori was more like preschool, right? So what is Montessori? Yeah, that's a good question. I, th- I was one of those people too. Uh, I had no idea until my son was in elementary, an elementary program. I didn't even know it existed. So, and that was my youngest son. So I have four kids and I, all my kids missed out because I didn't know about it. Let's see. Okay. So what is Montessori? It's a constructivist style of, of teaching. So they say that the child will construct their own learning, which sounds really great. Um, but we have that means we as the adult have to work extra hard to make sure that what we put in their environment is going to teach them. Because if we put, they're going to learn from their environment. All children learn differently. And so we want to make sure we are constantly like pushing them to their edge of like what they can learn. So if we give, for example, a child comes into a traditional school and they sit down in the same chair every day in the same worksheet. Uh, they're maybe going to learn a lot of skills that do with, you know, having to do with sitting down in a chair and writing. But in the real world, what really have they learned? What, how is that going to translate into meaningful activities? So in Montessori, we're using like movement, a lot of movement, a lot of pretty much, you know, practical life skills like cooking and just socializing, getting along with others. So, okay. No, that's good. Cause like I said, it's a, it's a bit of more of an experiential type of, uh, of an environment. And I, I dig it. I think it's pretty cool. I think if I had had this opportunity when I was younger, that maybe I would have done more exploring of the things that I thought that were interesting rather than just waiting for, you know, that science module to come around about space that really got me jazzed, you know? So Mm -hmm. it was really, it's really helpful. I know our kids dig it. Yes, yes. And one of the things that I like about seeing Mikey in class and and just seeing the Montessori materials is that it's a very kinetic learning. Like they're touching it. Like when they do math, they're not doing a worksheet of five plus five. There's there's bead bars and you can you can count and you can use these, you know, these different manipulatives. And, you know, and that translates to all the subject areas. It's, uh, you know, language arts. There's, you know, there's grammar boxes and shapes for, you know, learning how to do punctuation and just the way that the, you know, all of the the materials are designed and everything, it just, it, it's very engaging. Yeah, so, so much more so than me sitting in a third grade classroom and watching the teacher do a lecture on the projector and then zoning out. <laughs> yeah. So basically, so. it's the, the way I would describe it to someone who doesn't know is instead of having a, a math textbook, you've got, you know, these little beads and then you have beads that are in a string that are called bars and then they're arranged in ways that make cubes and ever bigger cubes so that you can visualize and you can interact with these things instead of turning a page or 
writing on a whiteboard or, or a smart, you know, a smart board or whatever, whatever technology you guys are using in the future when you're listening to this in 2030, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it is very much more hands-on. I think that that is really, really neat. If you, well, I'm sure we'll encourage you uh, many times along the way to check out Montessori as well, but really it is, it is very interesting. Yes. Yes. And are there a lot of textbooks in the classroom? Well, there's a few. I wouldn't, I don't know if they're really considered textbooks. They're, uh, they're reference books. I mean, picture books. I mean, National Geographic kind of, you know, those DK books. Uh, I <laughs> took them all to my place. I don't have any examples here anymore, but yeah, like really cool stuff on like sharks and whales or botany or whatever subject area. So they're learning a lot, but yeah, not your typical dry textbooks. Right. Nothing sure. like that. Right. So, I just remember back going, you know, back to my elementary experience. It was get out your math book. It's time for math. Get right. out your social studies book. Get out your, <laughs> you know, whatever book you were doing in a, in, a, in the class. And it's just yeah, looking, a lot different. It's really interesting now that we're, we're involved to see that there's, there's a level of creativity no matter what you're learning. And when, when I was a kid and when Heather was a kid, it was, it was very much books, workbooks, learning through rote repetition. And it was very much, very methodical and did not leave a lot of room for creativity. So I think it's, it's interesting. And sort of the results that we get out of that is that Mikey has specifically, I think he's gained just a different sense in his head for math. He was already pretty good with numbers, but like, I don't know if he worked it out before he asked me the question, but he was just weird driving around in the car the other day. And he's like, dad, what's 15 times 15? I'm like, you know what? Uh, He's like, it's 125. I'm like, did you just, what? I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not even going to bug you anymore, man. But like, (laughs) I had to, I was carry the one and this, you know, I was in my own head going about it the old way. And I I think he just kind of cracked the code. So we, we dig it, it, the experience that we've had now. I mean, there's certainly some things that are different. That's not always bad, but what, what drew you to Montessori? What brought you to that world? Not, I mean, for us, it was being introduced yeah. by a therapist, but for you, you've taken it a whole other step. Yeah, I really did. It started also with my children, just like you. Um, well, before, even before I had kids, I had a horrible time in school myself. It was, it was not like you're saying about the creativity. Like I didn't want to wait six weeks for the next science, you right. know, box of science, whatever to come show up. I didn't want them to have to order that. Why does science have to be in a box? For me, that was my big area with science. I, I loved science. So, um, so space, same kind of thing. So for me, I already got out of high school. I, I left early. I, I didn't drop out. I graduated early. It was very methodical. I took early classes so I could, they didn't have like they have now with the, I don't know what it's called, where you have college, two years of college. I didn't get that option. Yeah, yeah, I wish they did, but I tried. I went to the college and I asked, "Can I do this while I'm in college oh, or, or while I'm in high, high school? school?" Yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah, what is that thing? I know what it's called. Yeah, we've been talking they, to Grace they just about don't, that. They didn't have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't mean to get off topic, but uh, for me, I just had to get out of high school as quickly <laughs> as possible. Get out, get to college, get on my own, get my life going. So um, for me, definitely, I didn't want that for my kids. I didn't want to put them through that. Um, so I immediately started looking for a new alternative when I was describing it to, uh, I was, I was in, at the university, but I was also taking college classes to learn how to be a better mom. And I described, hey, this is the kind of thing I'm looking for for my children. And they said, it sounds like you want Montessori. And I was like, no, 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 that's so fancy. I'm not fancy. I don't have money like that. I can't afford that. And they're like, well, no, actually the cheapest, you know, the part-time program 
is right near your apartment and you could afford that. It's within your budget. So I gave it a try. It, it reeled me in. I mean, I'm hooked. That's <laughs> awesome. Wow. Wow. And I love how you you keep going back to your children and how they, they're on the spectrum, you know, somewhere on the spectrum as well. Do you think that Montessori education is a good fit for special needs kids? 100%. It is so, that's part of what I studied in my, my reading. It was designed for these children. It was designed for every child. As she first started out when she got out of medical school, uh, she was given the opportunity to work with these children in the, like an institution. Back then they would institutionalize children. They just, they had given up on them education-wise. They said they're just not, they can't read, they can't write, they can't speak. They're sitting in basically a blank cell, like I kind of like, like a jail, but not really, they weren't in trouble. Um, they just were considered ineducable. And it was just sad when I read about that. Uh, the language they used back then was a little different. It's harsh, so I won't repeat, you know, right. some of the the technical language they used back then that we wouldn't use now. But the materials were designed for all different learners. And what a surprise, they could actually learn. Everyone can learn. So, mm -hmm. right. yeah, it's definitely made for any child. So when you say everyone, there's a, I'm sorry, it just sort of tuned in to me on, on this part here too, because there's something very unique um, about Montessori that we weren't prepared for. And it kind of goes into the everyone thing and it really goes into the, uh, a, a community, right? So could you, could you take a few seconds to talk about, you know, sure you're, you're, you're the age for a certain grade, but then what's the yeah. rest of that sentence? Right. So we also do fine tune the education to, to the individual child. And sometimes they get an extra year in the same, oh, okay, so hold on, pause. I forgot to mention that we have multi-ages in each grade. So yeah, it's totally that's what I'm different. talking about. Yeah. Yes, okay. So in each classroom, you're not just going to have all first graders or all second graders. You're going to have first, second, and third. And so you're going to have a mix, a constant rotating mix of like oldest to youngest in the, within that little grade or classroom. And they learn from each other. So this is something Maria Montessori discovered. The children learn better from their peers than from ad adults. I mean, they do learn from adults. But if you teach, okay, so if you were to teach a child something really well for two or three years, and then they teach a younger child, it's the child is going to be more enamored with it, I think. Well, I think there's from another child for sure. I think there's, there's definitely something about their perspective that's different than ours. Number one, uh, number two, I think it's, I don't even think we need to study it anymore, but our kids are more influenced by their peers than their parents. Right. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, for good and for bad. Uh, yeah. but, uh, I, that was one of the things that I thought was like, I was like, okay, for real. All right. Joy, our little one is going to be in there with like kids that are like two years older than her. I was like, all right, whatever. We'll give it a shot. And she absolutely loves it, you know, and, and she's, she does really, really well. And Mikey doing the same thing and being able to see him progress to a point where he's one of the older students that are in there now as well. And, you know, his willingness to help, it wouldn't stop him if he was in a group of kids all his same age, but it's really neat to see with kids that are younger too. So that's one of the things that I thought that was really unique and, and I, I don't fully understand 
like how it works. I just see that it does. When it comes to educating kids on this that are on the spectrum or that have special needs and they're in the Montessori setting, what what are the some of the disadvantages or what are some of the the challenges that 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 private Montessori's might have? Well, you call, hold yeah. on real quick. You qualified and said private Montessori's too, okay. just so you know. Like we've got weird. We happen to be in Texas where there is a public uh, Montessori. So that's pretty cool. So check your states, check around, ask around, find out what the options are there as well. Because not all Montessori's are private. Correct. Necessarily. So let's, let's at least, uh, let's let you know that. That way you can, uh, don't, don't feel like you can't go and investigate. Please, please check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because honestly, we have a budget as well. (laughs) And considering private Montessori for our family would not have been an option. I think it, Everything lined up because of the fact that we found a public Montessori that did Montessori that didn't have a tuition. Sure, I mean otherwise, we could, otherwise we wouldn't have really been able to consider. No, it. no, we just would have stopped feeding them, and they wouldn't have done gymnastics and stuff like that. But you know, no, no Legos, right? That's it. Christmas is off, but you're gonna learn. No, we're kidding. Um, that's good. But sorry, so to go back to your question, then I guess you know, is what a, to repeat it, you know, what if any. That disadvantages or cons do you see for, um, you know, parents of special needs children within the Montessori environment? Well, we were taught, so we were taught in our, in our Montessori training to keep the number of students who are new or with special needs uh, to like a ratio of five to 10% of the total class, which sounds great. That's kind of like the tier three, tier one, two, and three model in public school. You have this triangle. I don't know if you've seen it before. When they say, you know, you have most of the class will operate at, you know, a general education level. You don't really have to do many interventions. They're just going to be just kind of be able to learn whatever the teacher tells them pretty much. And then you have a a little bit in the middle of the triangle uh, are the tier two people. And they have like, uh, you know, small group. They can have small group intervention. But then that tiny little one to five percent the tip of the triangle, that's the tier three. And they need like really specialized one-to-one, a lot more intensive work. And so I think the down, I think we need to upgrade. We meaning, I can't speak for everyone, of course, obviously in Montessori world. I'm not, I'm not even at that level, but we need to start looking at the reality of the children who are coming into our classrooms instead of looking at the the book because the mm-hmm. book tells us one thing but that was written a hundred years ago or you know whatever it was it was made for a different time we, we don't we don't live in those times anymore and thank goodness public montessori is expanding so there's over 500 public montessori schools now in the u.s and that's only continuing to grow so how can you know how people can find out about public montessori schools is there mm-hmm. There's okay. a resource. So there's one called the National Center for Public, let's see, NCMPS, National Center, National Center for Public, Montessori in the Public Sector. I'm sorry. I've said that like 500 times in my whole life. And <laughs> Say it I again. I was going to Google it. <laughs> yeah. NCMPS. NCMPS. So the National Center for Montessori in the Public Sector. Okay. Got it. Okay, great. I must have stage fright because I've never messed that up in my life. <laughs> That's okay. It's a very That's long. Okay. It's a very long uh, name. So the website is actually uh, public-montessori.org. Uh, of course, that'll be within our show notes too. Okay, great, great. So, um, let's see here. 
Do Montessori schools, since most of the Montessori schools are private, do they do like individual education plans like public schools do? That's a really good question too. They, and that's one of the reasons that brought me back to Montessori with my son when he had an IEP at age three and they were trying to get him to go to the public school, the little program. And I thought, okay, that sounds great. They're going to send a little bus to come pick him up and he's going to get whisked away and they're going to do their thing and he's going to come back home on the little bus. Great. I don't, I can just sit back and I don't know. And then I started asking questions. So he has an IEP. He doesn't have a diagnosis. You just did an assessment and noticed he's having some, he wasn't, well, he had a whole, whole thing. It, it was autism, but he didn't have the diagnosis at the time. They didn't say autism. They just said he, he needs an IEP. We don't know why. We don't know what. Just speech, communication. So when I asked them what services he was going to get, speech or whatever, no, when we were just going to have him go in a classroom. We was just going to have like six, six to 12 children and that's it. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not sure they're telling me anything that they're going to be doing with him. Like, there's no answer to that. So to answer your question about the private Montessori, I ended up driving 45 minutes into, we lived in Arizona. So Phoenix was the big metropolitan area from my house. It was worth it to me to figure, I don't know how we did it. Somehow I was able to find a way to, I wasn't working and we're not rich. I don't know how we paid for it, but somehow drove all that way, took my son to the Montessori program for like half a day, just because he was getting more out of that program individualized, no IEP. It was just already individualized. He needed help with socializing. He got a got whole it. classroom full of social. Sure. He needed hand, handwriting. They helped him. I, so I didn't really answer your question. No. So they don't have an actual IEP, but they do individualize for the child. No, I was going to say you kind of did, right? Yeah, so. you kind of did because the Montessori philosophy is that the education, the, it's a child-led education. And so it's the, the guide's job to see where that child's strengths are, where their challenges are, and let them enjoy their strengths, but also guide them to the areas that they're they're challenged. And they may not need an IEP because they're gonna have the same teacher for three years and they're gonna know that child and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. But with that being said, and now that you've kind of gone down the path a good long ways here too, and continuing to go down there as well, what what other so the point of the IEP really is to get the services to accommodate and help your child learn. Do those services exist within Montessori then as well, like occupational therapy or or speech therapy or things like that? I have seen it. I mean, it, I don't know how common it is, but there are specialists who do come in. I, a lot of our training says don't have specialists, but the school is different. Every school is different. So they will they'll allow mostly like if a child does need extra help they'll have a set time for it. Typically the morning is like off limits because there's this, we have this thing called the uninterrupted work period or uninterrupted work cycle. And we have three hours, which really allows the child to dive deeply into whatever focus area they want. Like say someone's really interested in, you know, a map, a map of Europe or, or the Titanic or some dinosaur study. Uh, so if they were getting stopped to stop their research and then they'd have to put all their work away it's less likely they're they're going to come back to their work 
So we keep this three hour, like precious time bubble for them to really dive deep into their work. So they try to say no specialist, no th- nothing scheduled in the morning. So. Okay, that helps. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, so what advice would you give parents who are considering Montessori for their special needs child? Yeah, you definitely have to talk with them first. Be really upfront with what you need or what you suspect. And then they will they'll probably be honest with you and say, well, we don't really have assistance or, or I mean, they have assistance. They don't have um, like aids, like uh, what do you call it? Like instructional aids. They'll have an, a classroom assistant, but their job really isn't to be an instructional aid, like a special education aid. So they should hopefully be really upfront with you at first. And uh, I do work with some parents around town with like consulting a little bit because because we have to be able to smooth out the rough patches between not wanting an assistant to come in and the parent really devoted to this Montessori education for their child. So how can we make this collaborate? How can we make this work? So we have to find a way to meet in the middle. So I would say be definitely be an advocate for your child. Find a way to contribute somehow to the community, like uh, maybe come in and read a story if the teacher wants you to, or host like a small group gardening club or, I don't know, music. I don't know, just something <laughs> fun. Yeah, something where you have a strength that you can share with the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So I know that uh, you recently started something going on over there in, uh, in Round Rock, Texas, starting your own Montessori school. So what can you, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was, this was totally, I don't know if I ever thought my life was going to take this direction. (laughs) So I have this, this undying passion for Montessori and uh, I just can't seem to let it go. And uh, I've been trying, you know, like I'm just hooked and I just know (laughs) that I've seen it. I know that it helps children. And so I'm taking all of my my training and behavior analysis uh, because I also love that. I can't let that go either. Working in behavior centers, I saw the power of like, wow, this is actually like human behavior is happening right here in front of my eyes. Like it's super powerful. And it was a lot like Montessori. And so here I was having these two similar, I couldn't choose one. So now I'm <laughs> going to try to integrate them. So that's, it's an experiment. I don't know if it's going to work, but so far, I mean, I've been trying it out in classrooms for several years now and it worked for me. So So what's the name of your school? Oh, tier three Montessori. Tier three in regards to the triangle, the pyramid, the RTF, the uh, MTSS RTI pyramid. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I haven't even asked you that before. Like what tier, how you came up with the name tier three. So yeah, that's awesome. And how can people find out more information about your school and the resources that you uh, share with regards to special education and Montessori? I have a website. I paid someone to do the website because I'm not <laughs> super tech myself, but uh, it's called, it's just tier3montessori.com. Awesome. Cool. We will get that uh, <clears throat> We will get that in the show notes as well mm-hmm. for you too. So yeah. Um, well, as we wrap up, first of all, I just want to say Thank you for being here. I mean, it's good to see you again. I was kind of hoping Mikey would wander through and, and we could put him on the pod for a few minutes to say hi. And 
and we could interview him just a little bit here as well, but maybe we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that at another time, but do you have any like last words, parting words, any sort of encouragement, maybe a little story of just kind of the success for kids dealing with special needs and special, you know, attention and the intersection of Montessori? Oh man. Uh, yeah, just, a st- I, c- I don't have one specific story. There's just so many, but yes, I've, uh, another thing that's built into Montessori is repetition. So ABA and Montessori both have repetition. So there's something magical also about that. So if your child has special needs, uh, they're not going to be in lockstep with the class. They're not going to have to just miss something. Oh, I wasn't there that day. I missed that lesson and then never catch up. Mm. It's not like that. In Montessori, you have three whole years to catch up on how to do dynamic addition with the carrying and all that or subtraction or division or whatever it is you you would miss in a public education a public traditional education so you have a lot of repetition so it's built in i've just seen miracles and i i don't want to get weird about it but (laughs) i can't give it up it's awesome i hear you and and just to remind everybody out there you know we've we have we have spent a good deal of time uh, I don't know if it's experimenting, but really just trying to find the right combination and the right process or just the stuff that's going to help Mikey. And while we've done this, you know, he's been in a, um, you know, when he first started school in Virginia, he was in a, he was, what's a, what's a kind of a self-contained, yeah, self-contained autism, classroom. autism classroom. Yeah. And then he went into, you know, more inclusion after that. But like, if we didn't have that self-contained environment, I don't think he would have learned the routines of just the normal public school. Right. So that helped seeking out help from an, you know, through ABA and through occupational therapy, like those things helped. And then when we were tuned into Montessori, this is, this has helped a lot. I mean, he, he now can, when it comes to science, he has the freedom to be like, you know what we're talking about today? Weather. And everybody knows he's going to talk about whether he needed to just, but he's, it's okay for him to completely envelop himself into that subject matter because he's, he's learning how to learn. But the byproduct for all of you guys out there with multiple kids is that both of the, both of our girls have, have benefited from this environment as well. And, you know, they don't have to be on, on the spectrum to, to experience what Montessori has for them, you know, and to kind of tease this out a little bit, you know, our oldest daughter, Grace, like she's in charge of safety within their orchard, you know, and she feeds chickens and picks up after them and they plant food. Right. So that doesn't happen at at most other schools. And I'm glad she's getting that experience as well. So just want to say that the combination of the things that are going to really work for you are really going to work for you. And they're going to have to, you know, be applicable to your kiddo and fit into your life. But I think you may have heard it a couple of times here as well. Like neither one of us on this are, are the richest out there, but we've just found a way to make it happen and you can too. So we just want to leave you with that little bit of encouragement. Heather, is there anything else you want to say to wrap? Nope. I'm good. All right. Well then I guess, uh, I guess I was the most inspirational (laughs) person of the episode today. No, I'm kidding. The award goes to me. Cool. Well, Aaron, thank you so much again for your time. I know we'll be following along your journey as you you build the school and help and touch you know help kids and touch families. And, and we're it may seem weird, but we're proud of you. And we just Thanks. want to encourage you and you know keep it up. 
cool, cool. So we'd also love it if you could leave us a review um, wherever you listen to your podcast. This particular one comes from the Apple podcast here. Fit Mommy says, thanks, thanks, and thanks a thousand X. Hi, you both. I have a Mikey too, and you guys give me so much info that help all parents, and I really appreciate it. Listen, we appreciate you listening, subscribing. We appreciate you taking the time, Fit Mommy, to reach out to us and and let us know. It does encourage us. We we do, you know, sometimes taking a look at our podcast to see if there's another download or if we have a comment is the last thing we do before we go to bed and sometimes the first thing we do when we wake up. So just know that it fuels us and we're we're happy to do it and we love hearing from you. So once again, our phone number, if you'd like to leave us a voice message, is 469-249-0425. Of course, you can ask questions. You can suggest topics. If you would like to reach out and be on the show too, please do so. So that is it. Thank you all. We'll talk to you soon.